good to uh, see uh, Phil Moore up there on the video launching the Academy. Uh, one thing that Steve and uh, Phil have in common uh, is the number of words they can pack into one sentence. Uh, so we probably need to be praying for the Romanian translators as well. Um, because if you thought Steve could speak fast uh, at various times, then you need to be in a room with Phil. Who can give him some lessons? I will endeavour to speak a little bit slower this morning, um, but nevertheless, we're going to look at the Word of God. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for all that you're doing, uh, both in Romania, both in here, Lord. I just pray that you bless us now as we continue to look uh, at the book of Galatians. Amen. Amen. For those of you that are visiting or are new to us, we are working our way through the book of Galatians. We are about half of the way through, um, but we are going to be taking a brief pause after this week uh, with Easter and a few other things coming up. But uh, we will return to Galatians uh, later on uh, in the year. So we are at the moment in Galatians chapter 3. And if you want to turn with me to verse 15... We'll pick up the passage uh, from there. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, starting at verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Now, this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance came by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise." Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian." Well, who got that? Who thought, yeah, I'm with it. That makes perfect sense. When when I got the note through, the way Steve does it, he sends an email through saying, this is what you're preaching on in the coming weeks. Danny, two weeks ago, got chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. I I can cope with that one. I've got offspring and offsprings. Is that even a word? Inheritance and inheritance. Gosh, we're going to have some fun this morning, aren't we? So what is going on with that passage? Let's see if we can unpack this. To put it bluntly, the story so far, Paul is angry. 
Paul is cross. Paul has been cross for the last three chapters because the church in Galatia have been turning away from the true gospel and following another path. He's been using such words as, oh foolish Galatians. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Who has bewitched you? This is the language that Paul is using. And that's been going on for the past three chapters. And and Paul's concerned because they're heading down the wrong path. Not just some path with some slight theological differences. Because as Danny reminded us two weeks ago, they're heading on a path that actually kills the church. That's the severity of where they're going. And Paul has taken three chapters to say, no, this is wrong. Because what the church were doing, as you've caught the argument over the, coming, over the last few weeks, is the church were adding on to their faith legalism. They were going back to some Jewish traditions, some Jewish heritage. They, they'd had some teaching that came in that said, it's okay to be a Christian. If you want to be a Christian, that's fine. But you've got to do this as well. You've got to follow the Jewish traditions, the Jewish laws of circumcision and food hygiene. And Paul's saying, no, it's all, by, it's all by grace. You don't add to the gospel. And you know, if that was the sum total of Paul's argument, Galatians would end there in chapter 3. Because Paul said that. He said it well. He said it for three chapters. He's made his point. So what do we have now? Now, it's kind of taken three chapters for Paul to calm down. It's kind of good cop, bad cop. The kind of, he's going to, uh, to use another phrase, he's going to take off his kind of angry hat and put back his theological hat. We've now finally got Paul the theologian back in the room. And he wants to actually identify with these people and say, let me help you understand why what you're doing is wrong, not just you're doing something wrong. You are doing something wrong. I'm cross, I'm angry, I'm upset, but let me help you understand why you're going wrong, why you're going down a path that we don't want you to go down. So the gospel according to the law, adding back this legalism, adding back all these do's and don'ts, aren't going to save you. That's the point that Paul is making, and that's clear. But now Paul gets to this point that says, but there must be some value in this law. There must be some value in these do's and don'ts that God has given us. They don't save us, but what are they all about? And Jesus himself says, I've I've not come to abolish the law of the prophets. That's in Matthew chapter 5. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until it is accomplished. Paul is back in town and he wants to help people understand why this is wrong. Now I need two volunteers to illustrate this, because this is, this is tough stuff to read, isn't it? We need to make this a bit visual. So can I have two volunteers, please? I'm going to pick someone if you don't volunteer. So, so come on. Thank you, Bill. Right. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Stand here, my friend. This is Abraham. I want you to say hello to Abraham. 
Bill, do you want to stand here? This is Moses. I want you to say hello to Moses. Because I want to introduce to you, not two guys here, but two ways to relate to God. This is what Paul is saying. I've been talking about this gospel, this false gospel, and that's not very helpful. Paul just said there's a true gospel and there's a false gospel. What, what he now starts to do is he starts to put a face on these two gospels and he starts to name names. So we have Abraham and we have Moses. And Abraham, I have a gift for you. It's a present. I want you to hold that. Because this is all about one way of relating to God that comes to us through Abraham. God said to Abraham, I have a promise for you. I have a gift for you. I have a present for you. Look at the stars up above. That's how numerous you're going to be. Through you is going to come an entire nation. Through you, all people are going to be blessed. Through you, ultimately, is going to come the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one through whom all will come to know me. There's a gift, there's a presence. There's Abraham who says this is a way of relating to God. Now, there's another way of relating to God. Moses, I have a present for you. It's called the law. There's a lot of it. It's a bit heavy. Can you do a Charlton Heston with, with, the, with the pillars, the, the, the law? I, I must confess, I'm going to be extremely disappointed if I get to heaven and Moses doesn't look awfully like Charlton Heston. You know, that's, I'm going to get upset about that. I'm going to have words to say about that. But there's the law. There's the law. Now, we can relate to God based on the fact that he's made us part of his family and given us a gift and given us a promise, or we can relate to God... Go on, stone tablet, ask better. We can relate to God according to the law, according to these do's and don'ts. So, up till now, up till now... <laughs> Steady on. Up till now, Paul has said, this is the way to go, not this way. That's what we had three chapters of so far. But now what Paul's going to do is going to say, there's actually value. This is what it's all about, knowing God through the promise of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. But actually, let's talk about the value that there may be in this. Not because it brings you to God, not because it saves you, but there's something in here that we can see. Thank you, guys. You want to pop those just down there? We'll keep those there. Uh, no, I kind of want that back. That's, that's actually mine. <coughs> nice try. <coughs> so, we have these two models. And what Paul is saying is that here is this model of promise, and here is this model of law. And he wants to identify with his readers. That's what he's doing at the moment. He's not saying that this gospel is going to save you. He's not saying what you've done is right. But he says, I want to help you understand the route that you seem to have gone down. So I'm going to contrast the law of promise. So I'm going to contrast the gospel of promise with the gospel of law. And this is what Paul does in a very technical, in a very theological way, because that's unfortunately, that's Paul with his theologian's hat back on now. That's where we are in the story. But this is the gist of what Paul is now doing. So he says, maybe, let me put myself in your shoes, maybe 
this is what you are thinking. Let's ask some questions about these two Gospels. Which one is the more important? Why is it more important? Maybe you are thinking in terms of when was the Gospel announced? Maybe that's what makes a Gospel important, when it came into being. Who's got a new... I won't bring you up again. Who's got a new phone? Anybody got a new Apple iPhone? There's some technology in the room. Thank you, Claire. Uh, I I haven't got a new phone, but here's my phone. Uh, It's not a particularly new phone, but it is newer than the phone I had before. Um, Actually, I got my very first smartphone because I had one of those really old Nokias. You know, it's actually really useful if you want to phone somebody and talk to them. It doesn't do anything else, but it's a pretty handy telephone. But I got incredibly embarrassed at work one day when I got my phone out And someone who's kind of younger and more technologically savvy than me said, is that a telephone? I said, yeah, it is. You dial it and you phone people. But anyway, I I got a smartphone. I've got this one. I still phone it, use it to call people and talk to them. But it's a newer version. It's got more stuff on it, hasn't it? Uh, And if if I manage to grab hold of somebody who has got a brand new Apple iPhone and ask the question, why have you upgraded? Because you still talk to people on your old one. It'll be, hey, well, it's got more stuff on it. It's, well, it's it's new. New is good, isn't it? We, We like the latest version of everything. Now, what Paul is saying here is you had the promise, the gospel of promise that came through Abraham. You've got that. We get that. But then 430 years later comes the law through Moses. Maybe you were thinking, maybe you were thinking that this is a new upgrade. This is gospel version two. We have gospel version one with Abraham, but then 430 years later, God issues a new release. God issues issues an upgrade through Moses. And maybe you're saying, hey, the later is the better one. Maybe that's why we need to have this law, because the promise is, well, it's 430 years old. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Paul isn't saying that's right. Paul's saying maybe that's what you're thinking. And Paul says, no, that's not right. Because if you look at law, a, a law that is made earlier stands and informs a law that is made later. The new laws don't replace the old laws. It's something in this country called case law. Um, It basically means that if a a law is made, that not only stays in place, but informs the things that come later. So the earlier model is actually the stronger, powerful, better model. So, for instance, if, uh, if the council suddenly decided to raise our council or double our council tax without telling us, we could complain to the court and say that's unfair. And let's suppose that the court agreed and a judge said, yes, of course, you can raise the council tax, but you can't double it. You can raise it by 10% and you've got to give three months' notice that you're raising the council tax. That's the law that the, the judge gives. If six months later somebody else has their council tax suddenly doubled, they can go to court and they can say, ah, in the case of Davis versus Crawley Community, uh, not Crawley, <laughs> Davis versus Crawley Council, this judgment was passed down. The judge would say, oh, well, that's a slam dunk agreement. We had that earlier case that was agreed. And so Paul is saying it's not with this gospel that the later is better, it's that the earlier is better. 
So don't go chasing down this track. I could understand why you might think about it. Phone upgrades are good. But version one of the gospel of promise is what it's all about. Maybe then you were thinking about who announced this gospel? Who brought this gospel to your attention? Because if we think about Moses for a moment, and if we think about my kind of child Hester moment with, with the, the tablets of stone, you know, this is exciting. Yeah, films were made of this. This is exciting stuff. This is thunder and lightning, and uh, either God carving out the words on the stone or Moses chiseling away, depending on which version you watch. But, but, but God, God Himself brings the word to Moses. That's powerful stuff. Now, what happened with Abraham? Well, yes, God took him outside and showed him the stars and said, you're going to be the father of a great nation. But, but when it came to Sarah, who was going to give birth, this miracle, because Abraham was old, Sarah was barren, but, but who told Sarah that she was going to give birth to a son? Well, it was two angels that came along. Now, I kind of like the idea of angels rocking up and bringing me news. That's good stuff. We like that. But angels aren't God. So Paul's saying, okay, Galatians, again, I'm trying to empathise with you. Maybe you're seeing it this way. Maybe you're seeing it as here is a gospel of law that came directly from God. Here's a gospel of promise. Well, I don't want to offend anybody, but let me put it bluntly. God sent his middlemen. God sent his angels to announce it. Was God too busy to visit Sarah and tell her that she'd have a son? Did he have to send his angels? And again, Paul is saying, I'm not saying this is right. I'm trying to empathise with you. I'm trying to see your rationale. That's not right because it doesn't matter if God speaks through his intermediaries or his intermediary or his angels or not. God is one. That's what it's saying in Galatians 3. God is one. Chapter, chapter 3, verse... Uh, I've lost my intermediaries, but they're in there. God is one. He speaks through himself to Moses. He speaks through his intermediaries to Abraham. It's the same God. So these two Gospels, that doesn't make this one more powerful. And then thirdly, Paul says, well, what's the result of this gospel? Maybe you were seeing it like this. Maybe your, your minds were on the basis of who gets involved in this gospel. Now, this is really kind of key for where the Galatian church was. This is kind of why they ended up going down this road. Because, and we've already had that, that word this morning, that, that theme that is coming through this morning, this gospel that we are part of is all part of being family that's the promise we're part of a family God promised Abraham a family he promised Abraham that through him would come the Christ he promises us that through Christ we are part of the family now that's great because we have a 21st century theology that allows us to look back on all of this with thousands of years of teaching and history and we understand that but here's a first century church, new in the faith. Yes, Christ has come. Yes, Christ has been preached to them. But, but they're wrestling with this idea that actually, when it all comes down to it, we are not part of the family. 
Now they've missed this point. Paul had preached this, they'd absorbed this, but, but this is so easily forgotten. Because we are Gentiles. We're a Gentile church. We're not Jews. We're not descended from Abraham. We're not part of the promise. So is this gospel for us? Because it seems that there's only certain offspring from this gospel. In fact, it seems as though there's only one offspring from this gospel, and that's Christ. That's what we're talking about. From the gospel will come the Messiah, will come the Christ. That's, the, that's so important. That's so key. But for a new church, they could see that as, well, this gospel is all about the coming Messiah. It's all about the offspring singular. I mean, our English language doesn't work with this because we, we, well, we don't have a word for offsprings, do we? First time I read this passage, I thought, how do I preach a passage that's not even grammatically correct? There's no such word as offsprings. You know, you have one sheep, you have many sheep. You have one offspring, you have many offspring. You know, we don't have offsprings. I don't, I don't even know if there's actually a Hebrew word for offsprings, plural, that is different. I'm going to go down that road. But again, Paul is saying, just maybe you're seeing that. Maybe you're, let me emphasize that point by saying, yeah, here is a gospel, this promise through Abraham, that talks of an offspring. And as a Gentile church, you seem to be just a little bit marginalized from that. But actually, the law becomes very attractive. Because when you read through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there's a whole load of passages there about people who are not part of Abraham's direct descent can be grafted into the family. How through observance of the law, they can become part of God's family. Again, Leviticus and Deuteronomy are tough going at times, but at the heart of that, there is still an inclusive God who says, you can be part of my family through observing the law. And so Paul, again, just trying to emphasise with the Galatian church, he's saying, maybe you saw it like that. Maybe you saw it as, this is a very narrow, this is a very a particular gospel about who it appeals to. Well, anybody can follow the law. Maybe that's what made this attractive. And again, Paul says, no, that's not what it's about. Because although this gospel talks of the one, the Messiah, the offspring from Abraham, through him all can be grafted into Abraham's family. That's the gospel that we have now. That's, that's the gospel that we embrace. We're not Jews. We're not following Jewish rules, Jewish customs, Jewish traditions, but we're part of that family that descends from Abraham because of the gospel of promise. Are you with me so far? So Paul is trying to emphasise with the Galatians and he was saying, I've, I've stopped being angry, I've had three chapters of ang being angry, I've calmed down, I'm trying to see it from your perspective. Here are three things that you might have done, but they're not the true answer. <clears throat> so the question that we get to which is actually a very relevant question for us here now. Because, to be honest, we're not in danger of falling back into Jewish tradition and Jewish food laws and hygiene laws and circumcision, thank goodness. You know, we're not in any danger anytime soon of going down that track. 
So why are we even bothering to talk about this this morning other than just some interesting historical perspective? Well, this is important for us because we can still get captured by this law, by doing stuff as opposed to being someone. And in the letter, Paul then says, does this mean that the law is wrong? And he says, certainly not. He emphasises this, certainly not in verse 21, Paul says. However, the law holds us prisoner. The law holds us prisoner. We're unable to keep its demands to the full. Because of sin, we stand guilty. Now, here's the irony of the law. The law was never meant to be a way to get to God. I work for a large supermarket chain to use a kind of a food retail uh, analogy. The law has a best before date against it. As a gospel of getting to know God, it's got a best before date and it expires when Christ comes. It was a way to get close to God until Christ comes, but now that the promise has come, here's a better gospel. This gospel, by the way, is packed full of preservatives. Not, not bad preservatives, there's actually good preservatives, because this gospel will preserve you for eternity. Yeah? So this one has got a very limited shelf life. This one, this one will be there forever. But Paul is saying, but there's still value to this. There's still value to this. And this is what we've got to unlock in these last couple of minutes. Why this? Why these do's and don'ts? You see, the great irony is the law ultimately was not there to be fulfilled because it says something about God. You see, this gospel tells us something about God as a loving father, as a relational, caring father that wants to have a family, that wants to know you, that wants you to know him. That's why he sent his son. That's why we can be part of this family. That's the promise. That says something about God. But when God wants to have a family and wants to get to know you, he doesn't stop being a holy, absolutely perfect, absolutely righteous creator of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-majestic. And so the gospel of the law says something about that sort of God. He says, if you want to get to know that sort of God, then there's a whole lot of perfection you need to get hold of. Now, Paul says that was never really there as an option. Be perfect and get to know God, because frankly, you're not going to do it. What it was there for was, I can't do this, this law. I can't do this. Do this, don't do that. Be, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. No, I can't do that. I can't be perfect just as my heavenly father is perfect. If that's not an option, what's left? I can relate to God as my father. If that doesn't work for me, that one will. So the law, it almost says, you can't keep me. I'm pointing to you to a better way, which is knowing God as a father. Now, 
Can I have the next slide, please? Because here's a, here's a searching question for you. What does the ordinary person in the street have in common with the Apostle Paul? Okay? The ordinary person, 100,000 men and women in Crawley out there right now, what do they have in common with the Apostle Paul? Separated by 2,000 years of time, one was spent his life studying scripture. I guess the 100,000 on the left or right, whichever way you look at it, probably haven't. There's a lot of differences there. There's one thing that they have in common, though, and that's this. They know that getting to God through trying to keep the law is a futile waste of time. See, if you went up to a man, one of those 100,000 people out in the street there and said, would you like to become a Christian? Would you like to come to church? Would you like to be a Christian? They'd probably say no. And if you said to them, well, why not? Why don't you want to be a Christian? Why don't you want to come to church? The answer would probably, again, be something along the lines of, well, it's boring, well, it's old-fashioned, well, it's a list of do's and don'ts and things that you've got to do or not do. And when you do the things that you shouldn't do or don't do the things that you should do, everybody just criticises you. What does that sound like? It sounds like law. And Paul, 2,000 years ago, said, that's not the way to get to God. And the great problem today that we have is that the men and women out in the street have more in common, have a deeper theological understanding of how to get to God than some of us in here do. Because we think it's all about being God, being good, and doing the right things, and not doing the wrong things, and that's what gets me right with God. And Paul says, no, no. All those do's and don'ts just show you that you can't get to God in your own strength. You need to be part of a family. So what else does the law do? Well, the law is our guardian. Now, when we look in Scripture, there's lots of things that, that we're, we're encouraged to do, we're encouraged not to do. The law is like a guardian. It's like a policeman. It's like a sign on a, on a flooded road or a road where the bridge is out. And it says, don't go this way because that way leads to problems. And so when we look in the Bible and we see things like that the man in the street would say, oh, that destroys all my fun. Well, no, it stops you going down a flooded road where the bridge is out. You see, today society seems more, every generation, frankly, seems to move more further and further away from the society that we see in Scripture. You know, we would say to people, it's not right to, to get drunk, it's not right to use drugs. Uh, that's something that we see very prevalent in our society today. Now, those things, doing those or not doing those things, are not what brings you to God. Because if someone comes into the church with, with, a, with a, a, a past history of drug abuse or alcohol abuse, they're not banned from the kingdom because they haven't kept the law. Well, frankly, none of us would be here. Because that's what the law is all about. None of us make the cut. So those people are not barred from the kingdom because they can become part of the family. But when they become part of the family, those do's and don'ts are still helpful boundaries, helpful frameworks that say, don't go down that road, the bridge is out. 
So we have a, a lot in here about living sexually pure lives, the sanctity of marriage. That's just so totally at odds with society today. Now, why is that? Are we old-fashioned? Is the world moving on? Are we not allowed to do what we want to do? Well, Paul says at the end of the day, this is a road sign for you. The stuff in here is a road sign that says, you go down that road, you'll find a flooded road with the bridges out and you're going to have a car crash. Don't go that way. So keeping these laws, living by the gospel of law, living by the stuff that's in here, is not what saves us, is not what brings us to God. Being part of the family, being part of Christ, brings us to God, brings us into the relationship. But our road is marked with warning signs that say, hey, drive safe. Keep your hands on the wheel. Keep your eyes on the road. That's how to drive safe to follow this. So as I sum up, we must be so careful that we don't add to our faith do's and don'ts. That we don't say, you come to God if you keep this rule, if you don't keep that rule, if you, if you observe principles. That's not what knowing God is all about. God says, I've done it all for you on the cross. That was the promise. That was why my son died. He did what you couldn't do. He kept the law. He was the only one that kept the law. He did that so that you can now be part of Abraham's family. You can now be part of that family. And yes, that's 2,430 years old, but the stuff that we have in here as our law today still has value, still has road signs that protect us and keep us. So, so we don't go down a road that results in a flooded path. I trust that makes sense. I hope you see that this is, because this book, the, the challenge, frankly, for Steve and Danny and myself and all of us that are preaching through Galatians, I think you might have caught this. Paul's only got one argument here, guys. Paul's only saying one thing. There's three of us taking eight weeks to work out how we tell you the one thing eight different ways. Don't add to the gospel. Praise God for Danny, I praise God for Steve, I don't know if you praise God for me, but we kind of say it different ways. But we're saying the same thing because Paul's only got one message. He's only got one message. It takes him six chapters to do it, it takes us eight weeks to do it, but it's only one message. Don't add to the gospel. Don't add to the gospel. You are accepted by God through your acceptance by Jesus Christ when you come into the kingdom. Please don't feel that you have to do something to earn God's favour. We've got time for one last song. Let's pray. Again, if anybody just feels that, hey, I'm excluded from this gospel because of my past, because of something that I have done or haven't done, because of my background, because of my circumstances, if, if you're saying, this is not for me, then please hear this message that that's not the case. This is... Uh, is a gift for all.
And if you just need to come and grab hold of it, not this, because this is mine, but if you need to come and grab hold of this gift of being part of the family, then please come down. There are folks here that will pray with you, folks here that will encourage you. If all I've said is a bit of a mystery because you don't know Jesus Christ yet, and you think, hey, there's something here that I want to explore, just as our youth are doing Alpha and finding out about Jesus in a very simple way. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus in perhaps a little simpler way if this has all been uh, new news to you. But please, if we can pray for you, please take this opportunity now uh, as we close. Thanks, guys.